0: Hello, and welcome to a very special Sicky Pants version of Dear Hank and John. Stories I prefer to think of it, Dear John, and... Ugh. It's a comedy podcast where two brothers who have independently contracted rhinoviruses answer your questions, give you
1: dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. So how are you doing, John? I am sick. I barely crawled out of bed to come here, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, I... <laughs> I woke up, tried to get the kids ready for school, and then Sarah came downstairs, and she was like, you should just go back to bed. And I went back to bed, and I woke up, and then it was now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this morning I said to Catherine, uh, Oren woke up. He woke up, he got uh, sort of like, he's sitting up and like sort of standing, and then he uh, tripped over his sleep sack and fell and whacked his head on the crib. And so he's just like screaming. And I was like, we have a camera in there and we can rewind it and watch this all happen, uh, which is just great. He does it three times. He hits his head on the crib, <laughs> And, and like, I'm like, <laughs> and Catherine's like, because I take care of Orin in the mornings. Uh, and Catherine's like, okay, well, why are you still laying there? And I'm like, can you do it? Yeah. And so she did it. And that was very
1: nice. <laughs> I mean, it, it every time I'm sick, I think to myself, God bless single parents. Uh... Yeah they, are, yeah. they are doing oh incredible work. Uh, Do not understand. If you have a single parent, give them a hug. If you are a single parent, here's, here's a hug from us. Uh, it's, it's non-physical. My favorite kind of hug.
0: <laughs> yeah, especially when you're not feeling very well. Here, come in for a big old <laughs> virusy hug. I got so many different
1: microorganisms
0: on my hands and face.
1: <clears throat> oh, man. Um, Dark Time. This will be interesting.
0: This will be interesting uh, to to pull out. I hope that I hope we do it well. Did you happen to uh, come across a short poem this week, John? Uh, A
1: short a short poem was suggested to us actually by Annie, who uh, was suggesting a poem by Professor Emeritus Ken Mickolowski of uh, her alma mater, the University of Michigan. Uh, Mystery number two. It's called Mystery number two. Ten in the dining room. One falls in the soup. Poisoned. You are the host. What do you do? It's good. It's good. It's a comedy about death. We don't get enough of those around here. Uh, so that's, uh, that, was, that was a welcome uh, change of pace. Thank you, Annie. All right. Thank you,
0: John, for your lovely reading. And our first question... It's gonna to come to you from Kat, who asks, Dear Hank and John, space is a vacuum, which means that sound doesn't travel, which is where we get the classic line in space, no one can hear you scream. By that logic, if aliens exist, I'm assuming they would spend most of their time in space and wouldn't be able to hear anything, so wouldn't they communicate using sign language? What?" Is that why the record we launched into space has gone unanswered? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like first they have to have a record player. <laughs> a dubious answer is greatly appreciated. Kit Cat. Oh, no, uh, that's cat. Good. I think that mostly we don't we don't expect to find the aliens living in the space. Expect to find them maybe living in spaceships in space, but also potentially on other planets. There is a really, really wonderful... Uh, so there's this this uh, Twitter that's called uh, Shoot. I forgot what it's called.
1: Great. This is already a high-quality podcasting entertainment <laughs> for the people. Uh, 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 <coughs> I can't get this, the feeling out of my throat, no matter what I do.
0: Uh, this is a very good comic uh, there's this, a Twitter account called A Small Fiction and just uh, basically tries to tell a story inside of a tweet and uh, the the tweet is Oracle, are we alone in the universe? And then the oracle says yes. And then the, the little girl says so there's other life out? And then the little girl says so there's no other life out there? And then the oracle says there is. They're alone too. <laughs>
1: Which is probably the truth, right? I mean, there is probably life out there, and we yeah. will probably never have any kind of contact with it.
0: And they will probably have—and, like, not only will we never have any kind of contact with any of the life out there, all of the life out there will probably have never have any contact with each other either. Um, there, There are weird reasons why this might be, because, like, in areas where there are lots of stars that are close together— it's actually less likely for life to form in those places because there's so much high energy radiation because it might be closer to the center of the galaxy where there's a lot of stars. We're quite far out. And in the center of the galaxy, there's a lot more high energy stuff happening. But also in stellar formation areas, there's a lot more, like, energy that, you know, might might be contrary to the formation of complicated molecules. So, um they're, like, you know, it's a big universe, so there are probably there probably is life out there that knows about other life, which is really cool, and like that's a nice thing to think about. But for the most part, probably like the the default is that other life in the universe is also alone.
1: And will be alone forever. It's uh I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> but
0: also also that life probably exists inside of a soup of gases, um, or or liquids. That can transfer sound waves. So they probably do have some kind of way to talk, though. I would not expect they have a way to play a record, but maybe
1: you never know. You never know. This next question comes from Jess, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm a middle school teacher. First off, Jess, I just want to pause from your question and say thank you. Thank you for being a middle school teacher. I was so terrible to my middle school teachers. But they were so kind to me, uh, so irrationally kind. So thank you on behalf of all of your terrible, annoying students. Uh, One of my students gave me a gift card to the local movie theater with the note to see Star Wars on it. I have often shared my love of Star Wars with my students and have even gone so far as to dress up in Star Wars costumes and work Star Wars into my lesson plans. God, that, I mean, that is a cool teacher. The issue, I have already (laughs) seen Star Wars The Last Jedi four times and I plan to see it again with my friends from college later this month for a total of five times. Do I go see Star Wars again for a total of six times or can I go see a different movie with the gift card that was designated for Star Wars? Han shot first, Jess.
0: I mean, you have way too much respect for your students. Way I would too just, much. I would just stand out front of the movie theater and be like, free Star Wars tickets. Well, no, it's
1: not even that. Free Hank. gift card. No, Jess can see whatever <laughs> movie she wants. It's not like the she's going to go up to the counter and going to be like, I'd like to use this gift card to see, I don't know, I, Tonya or Lady Bird. And they're going to be like, oh, I'm sorry. That gift card's only good for Star Wars. No, the movie theater doesn't care what movie you see. Go see Lady Bird. It's great.
0: Uh also, it seems to me that you're about to go see Star Wars again. Why don't you use it for going out with your friends? I think
1: I think she probably already bought the ticket. Uh, like probably she reserved a ticket it, yeah. online yeah. already, like for yeah, a specific yeah, yeah. spot. I think 100% this is a great a great opportunity to go see Lady Bird. Which I loved, by the way. H- Hank, I, I'd, I don't usually like to brag about this, although I think I do bring it up on the podcast every year. Um, but mm-hmm. we get most of the Oscar contenders uh, mailed to our house because many right. years ago I was made to join... <sighs> a union and at the time I was very resentful but it turns out to have been a really great investment um <laughs> uh and uh yeah so we got to see I've gotten to see a bunch of the uh, award candidate movies this year and uh I think lady I honestly think Lady Bird is my favorite I have not
0: seen it I have not seen um any movies except for star wars and i believe that i watched meet me in saint louis uh, and guardians <laughs> of the galaxy 2 um so far this year
1: wow well that is that's an interesting <laughs> list you might be the only person who's hit that particular trifecta
0: <laughs> i mean i mean certainly i am the only person who's watched only those three. Movies. <laughs> right yeah
1: definitely
0: <laughs> um so, yeah, going outside of the house is hard, and John doesn't send me his screeners.
1: Uh, because I can't. Just in case the Writers Guild is listening, I would never share my screeners. <laughs>
0: <laughs> our biggest, our, the biggest segment of our audience, the Writers Guild
1: of America. <laughs> oh, God. I uh, I think I, I had, like, a slight fever this morning. Uh... <sighs> And I I took Advil and I think it's wearing off. I just want to give you a personal update. Can we, can we answer another question? Yeah, John. Let's do that. This next question comes from Maria who
0: asks, Dear Hank and John, I'm a 16 year old Italian girl and my father works abroad. Because of this, I often have to take planes uh, and travel on my own to go visit him. However, when I do so, I often receive a lot of unwanted attention from adult men. Ugh. Not ever from my peers or kind ladies, just old men. They often try to talk to me asking me why such a young lady is Traveling by herself, uh, where I'm going, and so on. I try not to be rude to these people, but these situations make me uncomfortable, and they keep happening. How should I deal with this?
1: I my I, I, I actually have good good advice. Well, I don't oh, know that's if it's great good news. advice, but I have advice. I, all
0: I've got is all I've got is headphones. Never take your headphones out.
1: Oh, that is my advice. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Maria, before you get on the plane, uh, put earbuds in your ear. You don't actually have to listen to anything. I don't usually listen to anything, but this is what I'll tell you what I do. Before I get on the plane, I put earbuds uh, in my ears. Actually, I do this the moment I arrive at the airport. Uh, To be perfectly (laughs) honest with you. I arrive at the airport. um, I put earbuds in my ear. I go through all of the usual processes. And I find that people talk much less to me when I have earbuds in my ear, even though I'm not listening to anything. And I can hear everything they say. And I can answer them in a normal voice. So I don't like respond to them by shouting. So hopefully I'm not being overly rude.
0: You're not even listening to your podcast. I will say, John, you cannot have earbuds in your ears if you're going to speak to a service employee. That's... Like, I'm out. I'm out if that's your strategy. Because if I'm going to talk to, the like, the TSA guy and he's going to give me... Like, I'm going to... I have to, like, say... I'm a normal person, and I'm having an interaction with a normal person. Like we we are required to interact, and so I'm taking my headphones out, and then they go right back in afterward.
1: Okay, you do it your way, uh, Maria. You <laughs> could do it. You could do it whichever way you want. But that is that is my sincerest recommendation. I did, ha- Hank. Have I told this story on the podcast before about the the the, wor- the worst thing that ever happened to me in my whole life?
0: Uh, I I mean I don't I don't know I don't know. All right, so you do tend to to exaggerate, so I'm not sure which which worst thing. This, is.
1: this isn't the worst thing that ever happened to me in my entire life, but it was really, really bad. So one time I was on a three hour and 10 minute flight and um, I, I had the usual strategy. I put my earbuds in before, before boarding the flight. I handed over my uh, boarding pass. I boarded the plane. I sat down in my seat. I put my backpack underneath the seat. Um, and I, and I actually then started to actually listen to music because the person next to me kept looking at me and I was like, maybe they need to hear sound coming out of my earbuds for me to effectively communicate that I'm, um, I'm not an airplane Mm -hmm. talker because I'm a very nervous uh, person. I was going to say a nervous flyer, but that actually (laughs) would, would be understating the matter pretty significantly. Um, and, uh, and this person who was sitting next to me, um, uh, just as the plane began to taxi, reached over and touched my ear and pulled pulled the earbud out of my ear.
0: Oh my god! I can't like when, like the feeling of a ear of a earbud being removed, even if it's like because it got caught on something. Oh, it's always a bad feeling. It's one of the worst feelings that I experience regularly. Well, and you can imagine to have it done to me by another person who you don't know, who you've
1: never spoken to, actually.
0: And I assume, I assume that this person had an emergency to convey to you. Uh, yeah. Like, I am about to poo in my pants, no. or there's a fire no. on the plane. No, it wasn't that. Or the lady in front of us, just, uh, her her head exploded. Yeah, no. Something that, like, you need to
1: know. No, it wasn't any of those things. It was that, uh, they were a very nervous flyer, and would I talk to them?
0: Oh, that's
1: kind of sad. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, yes, yes. Of course. So, Maria, you may find yourself in a situation where a stranger pulls the earbud out of your ear. <laughs> but in that case, they're either going to say, I am a nervous flyer. The person in front of you's head has exploded. Or third option, they're going to say anything else, in which case you're going to just put the earbud right back in.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you in, in situations like this, the, like there are going to be guys who don't understand that, like, they're like, but I'm I'm not here to harass you. But what they don't understand is, like, for 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 you, there's no way to tell. And once you're listening to the harassment, it's very difficult to go back to your life and not be like, I need to be, like, reassigned. So, like, you want to cut, cut that off at the beginning, which is absolutely fine, and you are an autonomous person who has been sat in a chair next to another person, and that does not mean that you have to talk to them. You have been assigned this place next to a stranger and that comes with no rights and responsibilities to interact with them and so it is uh it's some it is it it, definitely if you are wearing headphones it is absolutely rude for someone to interrupt that and if they don't get that it is not rude for you to in reply not interact with them
1: yeah no you yeah i strongly agree with you hank um and now I'm now I'm getting nervous just remembering the feeling of having that earbud removed from my ear. So let's move <laughs> on to another question. All right, Hank, this next question comes from Jackie, and it's a matter of great importance. Dear John and Hank, for Christmas, I received several lush bath bombs. Congratulations, Jackie. This seems like a wonderful <laughs> present, except that I don't have a bathtub. I would give them to my friends, except none of them have bathtubs. What should I do with all these bath bombs? Wow. Hand them out on the street? Mail them to random addresses? Attempt a bath bomb shower? Please help. I don't want these beautiful sparkly spheres to go to waste. <laughs> Cinebinius John, Jackie,
0: <clears throat> we just made a million dollars. What? Let me tell oh, you why. Is this something? It is a bath bomb compartment that that you clip onto the in the the area between where your shower where your shower connects to the wall, your shower head connects to the wall and where the shower uh-huh. head is, we can slip a bath bomb uh-huh. in there and then you are bath bomb shower. So
1: you're just like basically showering in like I think this green is something. sparkly water.
0: I, yeah. Yeah. I think this is no, something.
1: This is not something, you know, I how? Think, no,
0: I mean, like I need to talk to an engineer oh. about how to develop a bath, A compartment that you would put a bath bomb into, hot water rushes over it, comes out of the shower, and you become the incredible uh, glamorous Hulk. Uh,
1: You know, Hank, over the years, you've presented me with million-dollar ideas on, I would guess conservatively, 4,000 occasions. By your math, (laughs) I should be a billionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Now, admittedly, a few times you have had a properly good idea. Um, Although I would just like to say for the record that I would argue our best idea ever was mine. Um, (laughs) Yeah. you've had a few properly good ideas this is not one of them so like remember all those times when you would feel exactly as excited as you feel about this idea and it turned out that those were terrible ideas this is like those times not like the few times when you were right john i am going to be the bigger man
0: And Uh release this idea into the world. I'm saying this is not patented public domain. It is your responsibility, listener, to decide if you are the person who is going to make this a million dollar product and you're going to be on qvc and you're going to be like that crazy (laughs) pillow guy being like pillows are awful and i've got a better pillow and also who's a huge fan of donald trump for some reason and
1: i i I have no idea who you're talking about but it's fascinating (laughs) i mean just what i know about this person is it makes me really want to hang out with them at a cocktail party can i tell you a (laughs) bath bomb story uh, yes, but uh, first I just,
0: I want to complete the process of releasing the idea into the world. Oh, Your okay. job, listener, is to yeah. create the bath bombardment the bath bombardment,
1: the bath, the shower bombardment. Ah, the shower something. bombardment. Yes. it's close. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a million dollar name. I'll tell you that, <laughs> but it's close. It's something. It's, so the other day, um. Uh, Alice (laughs) opened up the Compartment. I have a four-year-old daughter. She opened up the compartment underneath my sink, and she said, "Daddy, what are these?" And I said, "Those are those are bath bombs, Alice." Like, and she's seen bath bombs before. Um, mm-hmm. like we've even used a couple of them uh uh-huh. in in her baths, and she always likes them a lot. And she said, "Well, why haven't?" And she knows that I love them. Uh, and she said, "Why haven't some version of why haven't you used these?" And I said, "Oh, well, all of these like they have glitter in them, so like when you let them into the bath, they like." You know, spread glitter all through the bath. And she looked up at me and she just said, Sparkles? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, sparkles. And she was like, I want the sparkles. <laughs> So now uh, if, we we have a, we found a good home uh, for the sparkly bath bombs. Man, yeah. Alice is suddenly all in on bath bombs. It's nice. It's nice if I whenever I have something where I can really connect with Alice about and like our shared interest in really high quality bath experiences has become that place. Jackie, we do not have an answer for your question. Um,
0: I don't know what you're talking about, John. I had an amazing answer for Jackie's oh. question.
1: Okay, right. No, I forgot. I had already. I'd literally already forgotten about the shower. <laughs> bomb compartment.
0: <laughs> I mean, I just googled it, John, and there doesn't appear to be a way to convert a shower into a bath bomb experience. I think that there is a huge there is a, there is a huge open market here for for bringing the bath bomb experience into the huge section of the world that does not have the ability to use bath bombs. We can sell like they're on sale at Lush next Tuesday. I swear to God, it's going to happen. Uh,
1: uh, yeah. Okay, God, Godspeed. And and whoever takes this on as a project, I, I wish them all of the luck in the world, and they will need it.
0: I got another question for you. It comes from Abby, who asks, Dear Hank and John, there's this guy I'm friends with, and I like him, and he seems to like me, and everything is beautiful and nothing hurts, right? Wrong! About a month ago, he lent me a box of ball bearings. I'm just going to leave out why. I'm going to leave that part of the question out, because it's, it's not even very long, but I would rather it just be that you got lent a box of ball bearings. Sure. He's a very nice guy, and he he's very caring, so he gave me the ball bearings. Right. But I have lost the ball bearings. Mm-hmm. Now I'm desperate. Uh, I, what do I do? Do I come clean? Do I order some ball bearings to his house and never speak about it again? Do I change my identity?
1: Thanks in advance. Uh, this is Abby. Uh, I mean, uh, I... Listen, Abby, you're gonna have some challenges in this relationship. There's gonna be good times, there's gonna be bad times, especially if it becomes a kind of serious foundational romantic relationship in your life. And Mm -hmm. um, the ball bearings thing, you're not gonna look back on it as the biggest problem you you ever faced with this person. But you don't want to build the relationship on a foundation of lies. No, you're saying like, listen, I lost the ball bearings. Uh, if you're going to hang out with me, <laughs> something you need to know about me is that I lose stuff all the time. I, I feel like I had to have that conversation yeah. with Sarah very early on. By the way, today I said to Sarah, hey, Sarah, uh, I think we need more diapers for the dog. Also, can you call my phone? I don't know where it is. And also, I can't find my keys. And Sarah's response were uh, the dog diapers arrived this morning. Your phone is in Henry's bed And your keys are on the kitchen counter And I was like oh my god (laughs) What is it like to walk through the universe Knowing where things are
0: (laughs) Yesterday I Was in my I went to the office uh, in part because I didn't know Where my computer was so I figured I had left it at the office I got there it wasn't there And I was like I don't know where my computer is And my assistant said to me You didn't bring it in And I said to her no I did And she said I don't know I don't know, but I watched you walk in and you weren't holding your computer. And I, like, Marianne, how did you, how could you possibly have a picture in your mind of what I was carrying when I walked into the office? But she, and she was like, I think, and I was like, well, I definitely brought it. And she was like, is it possible it's in the car? And I was like,
1: no, no, I looked. And then it was in the car. Of course it was in the car. It's all, yeah, I know. It's very frustrating. I feel the same way. I lose my glasses all the time. And then I'm like, well, now I'm doubly screwed. Because
0: I don't know how to lose my glasses because they're always on me.
1: Well, but like, I don't know. I, I'll put them down. I'll, I'll be cleaning them or something and then I'll get distracted and I'll walk away for three seconds and then I'll turn back around and I'll be like, oh, no, I can't see anything to find my glasses. With.
0: <laughs> there is always that moment where you're like, like, especially if it's uh, if it's nighttime and so it's dark and it's like I, I can't see How could I possibly find my glasses in order to see when I can't see? Uh, It's just it's the struggle, John. But I can't get LASIK because uh, this is my brand now.
1: (laughs) That's 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 the best reason not to get LASIK I've ever heard of. Um, I think I think we've adequately answered that question. You gotta tell about the ball bearings issue. Just come clean.
0: Or alternatively, like get some ball bearings on Amazon and they'll be there in two days.
1: Uh, yeah. But also come clean. Do both. I don't think that you should just, like, fake like you didn't... Well, I don't know. It doesn't... It's, it's, it's not going to matter that much, actually. <laughs> this it's next not, question comes from Kate, not. who writes, Dear John and Hank, my fiancé's mother recently gave me a dress that no longer fits her. Unfortunately, it's the dress she wore to her late husband's funeral, my fiancé's oh, father. I, mm. Well, that was weird. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I... Th- like, I can't
0: even imagine getting a dress for another person at all. Because I feel like that's a very personal decision. Like I watch women shop for dresses and they look at a lot of dresses that they do not buy. And so I feel like selecting one and being like, you will enjoy this dress is just extremely presumptuous I, because a- according to my view of the world, 99.9% of dresses are unacceptable.
1: Uh, yeah. Not only that, Hank, I would actually extend this uh, outside the world of dresses and say that like, if Sarah's um, family like gave me a suit or even a shirt or a pair of socks mm-hmm. and was like, you know these are the these are the special funeral socks. I would I would feel very I would feel the weight of them very intensely. Anyway, uh, my fiance yes. was surprisingly accepting of this, but I'm a little uncomfortable wearing it around him and his family. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I agree. <laughs>
0: Plus, it doesn't fit uh-huh. Uh-huh. very well. <laughs> oh well, I mean, this not super shocking. So yeah. I
1: worry about the formality of even wearing mm. it to funerals. <laughs> 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 oh God, oh, this is dark. I- I'm sorry to be laughing, Kate, but things. Things are out of control here. Sometimes we just have to do what people we love need us to do. So maybe I should get it tailored to use it. Is it acceptable to just keep it in my closet forever? Uh, as you are a podcast about death, I figured you were certified to attack the etiquette of the situation. Hopefully nobody will die in the interim. Kate. Yeah, I don't think that you need to wear this uh, this dress to funerals. Right. Right hard stop
0: yeah Kate and also everyone who's listening who is transitioning from like their 20s to their 30s here's what's about to happen to you your parents yeah and or your parents parents of your spouse or partner are going to start to send you things that you do not care about. Oh, Because they are aware nope. that they are going to die nope. and they are trying to get rid of the things that they have a sentimental attachment to and put it somewhere that is not the trash. Right. I and mean, what they're saying I is, st- I gotta, please
1: hold on, t- uh, okay. You, you- I have to stop you, I have to stop you. I have to stop you. Okay. You said that your parents are gonna send you things that you don't care about. And I just want to say, as someone who recognizes that our parents listen to this podcast, I care. I care, mom. It's Hank that doesn't care. I care a lot. So I just want to say that right now. Hank doesn't care about the stuff that you send him. He doesn't care. I care. I do, okay. especially about the I'm not cash. saying
0: that I don't care. I'm saying this is what's going to happen to other people who are not me and who very deeply appreciate all of the things that I have received from my mother that I have no context for.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, I care. I care, um, Mom. I love everything.
0: and they, they, the, these, the, and, and what they are asking of you is please hold on to this until I am dead and then throw it away.
1: Uh, no, that is not what they are asking of you. They are asking... Uh, <sighs> we have to move on to the next question because I feel that we are in more dangerous territory than we've ever entered before with our, with our, arguably our most important listeners since I don't think our spouses listen. <laughs> Catherine totally listens. Oh, Sarah doesn't. I don't, I'm not sure Sarah's ever heard a full episode of Dear Hank and John. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, Catherine's an avid listener. She loves oh, it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. No. She listens to This Week in Ryan's. Uh, she supports us on Patreon.
1: <laughs> Sarah listened to like the first 15 minutes of an episode with me in the car one day, and she turned to me and she said, I just I guess maybe I don't get it. <laughs>
0: uh, whereas I, this week walked into my home and Catherine was like, John was giving you a really hard time about Ryan this week. <laughs> And I was like, right, right. That's very funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> different, different strokes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, just next so question. I was like, just it just next... seems like being okay. at dinner with the two of you. And I was like, I think that's what people <laughs> like about it.
0: But yeah, I think that's kind of the thing. This next question comes from Morgan, who asks, dear Hank and John, how do fish get into lakes? Veni, vidi, vici,
1: Morgan. Oh, I know the answer to this.
0: Well, there's lots of different answers, but
1: go. They get into lakes. This is my understanding, at least from what I was told by our parents when I was a kid, because they bird feet get fish eggs stuck to them. And then the birds go from lake to lake, uh, populating new lakes with fishes.
0: Yeah, that definitely happens. That is one of the ways in which it happens, for sure. Additionally, um, I don't know... Uh, if you're aware of this, but uh, certain storm systems can actually suck fish up into them and then drop them other places. That happens like, you know, like every third Sunday or so. What? Uh, there's a, no, I'm just making that up. Oh, God. I mean, I, I was completely convinced. It does happen, though. I don't know if that's one of the ways that uh, that, that actually helps to distribute fish. Uh, but Yeah, I saw, I saw a documentary about, about like, this like called Like a rain shark of frogs. Native yeah like it's like that that's how sharks get into lakes
1: I <laughs> don't dude man my kids are so afraid of river <laughs> river sharks um, yeah they're them about river sharks well they, they are obsessed with this idea that there are river sharks and that there are sharks in the white river in Indianapolis uh, and I'm like well guys there are no river sharks and then immediately Henry's like dad I think we both know that's an oversimplification So don't don't try to condescend to me, mister, because I have looked at the information and there are sometimes sharks in some areas of river ocean interaction that are considered river.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, well, also, no one's ever seen a river shark, which just it, it makes it very clear that these river sharks are made of glass. <laughs> right. River, makes gla- glass makes them It's much scarier. Oh man! That's a, that's that's a shout out to Mabimbam reference for all of you, Big My Brother, My Brother and Me fans. It's, yeah, it's uh, good. I mean, once I, the idea, once the idea is planted in your brain that there may be a shark, <laughs> there's a shark.
1: Well, and there are there are sharks in some rivers. It's just the the the, the White River in Indianapolis is not one of those rivers, and but then. Right. Uh, then Mm. immediately i mean it's almost like trying to like trying to convince your brain of something when your brain is really really convinced that it wants to worry about it because immediately they'll both be like well if there are sharks in some rivers how do we know there aren't sharks in the white river and i'm like guys it doesn't matter we don't even get in the water it's filthy like you don't know the real risk of getting in the white river it's that the microorganisms that (laughs) definitely (laughs) definitely make you severely ill
0: uh well, I do want to say, John, that uh, there are some species of of shark that live entirely in fresh water. Yes. Or in both fresh and brackish water. Yes. There are not very many of them, and they are only in uh, places that are not North America. But they do exist, river sharks. Yes. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say is that most lakes are connected to each other by rivers and streams and stuff. Is that true? And uh, a f- Yeah, yeah. Yep. Almost every lake uh, eventually ends up in the ocean. The exceptions are the ones that are salty. Um, like, the Great Salt Lake does not drain to an ocean, which is why it is salty. Because the salt can't get out to the ocean. It builds up at the Great Salt Lake. Weird. So, the, the Dead Sea also, you know, like, any any salt lake is a, is a lake that doesn't drain to the ocean. But almost every lake eventually ends up in the ocean, but sometimes there are like barriers, like it filters through, like it might go underground um, and a fish could not make that route or the streams might be too small for uh, certain species of fish to go up and, um, and, and there are a number of ways that, that fish move around. Sometimes they are accidentally introduced by people, both uh, like releasing pets or they get in the bilge uh, compartments of boats that move from place to place and they will uh, move around that way. But, yeah, um, there's, there's a bunch of different ways, but it does happen, and over—they they, basically—there's uh, a long period of time during which this can have happened, and so it, it ends up happening because, you know, geology is on a very long time scale, and once a fish gets introduced someplace, uh, especially if there's more than one, then they're just there forever.
1: Hmm. Mm. Well, <clears throat> now we know. Are they there now forever,
0: or do they eventually die? They eventually die, John.
1: Okay, I'm sorry. I was just reading about uh river sharks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, good. The good news is, John, that someday there will be no river sharks left to re- even remember that river sharks existed. It's such Did a I good, good point. Say river Hank? sharks.
1: It's such a good point. The oceans will boil and all record of us will be forgotten.
0: Yeah. And all the river sharks will never, ever uh, eat a single single four-year-old ever again.
1: Okay, all right, Hank, let's move on to another question. This one comes from Katie, who writes, Dear John and Hank, every once in a while, I upload a new profile picture to Facebook, and every time I do, people comment on my picture things like heart emojis and looking great or stuff like that. And I never know what (laughs) to say. Am I supposed to say thank you? If so, what is the proper way to thank a person who left you three heart emojis? Am I allowed to respond with a heart emoji back, or must I have a message in plain English? Please help, I have no idea what the <laughs> etiquette is, and I just posted a profile picture yesterday, perpetually confused. Katie.
0: Uh, Katie, I have I have recently come across the best possible solution to this problem, which is that you're going to need to call uh, your mom or dad or loved one, uh, and have them go on and respond to these comments what thank you so you have your mom go on and say when someone says looking great your mom then goes on and says thank you because your mom <laughs> is what made you one <coughs> two you will also be reminding these people that your mom is watching and so to behave correctly oh that's a good point point. and uh and three that you will not have to do anything because your mom will be your mom will be uh, basking in the glory of people thinking highly of her progeny and uh, and that will become the more important story.
1: Uh, okay, I mean that's not a bad idea, but I have a better idea, which um, is something that I've done in my own life, Katie, and I highly recommend to you. But first, you have to become old. So. Um, <laughs> That's the first key. But the good thing about one of the great things about being old is that you are not expected to use emojis. So whenever somebody sends me an emoji and I really feel compelled to reply, I reply with a little less than uh, key and then the number three, which is how we communicated heart emojis pre emoji. Um, And that's just my way of reminding people like a I'm old. And uh, B, like, this is, this is my preferred method of communication. Like, I don't like this uh, visual <laughs> language, this pictographic language. I still, I still like it to be as, as text-based as possible. Um, so that's what I would do. I would reply with a less than three.
0: Mm-hmm. I do less than threes a lot myself. Um, I probably would not reply with a less than three because I don't want to, I don't want to, like, give off too much of, like, I don't want to think people are flirting with, like, I'm flirting with them about my, my cute new profile pic. I want people to be aware that I'm a married man and that this is not about, uh, not about escalating any, uh, any friendship that we have to a new level. And so I reply instead with just a picture of a can of Diet Dr. Pepper.
1: <laughs> it's a bold choice. It's a bold choice. I was recently texting with a friend of mine. Now You know how now predictive texting, when you type a word, it will show you the emoji for that word?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like do. yeah, you want to you want to say bread instead? You want to show a picture of bread? Right. That Why would be way better, bread, right? When we've got bread
1: right here. <laughs> anyway, I don't I don't like it at all. But I was abs- I, 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 I'm regularly stunned by what is available um, uh-huh. in terms of uh, in terms of emojis. And the other day, I was texting with my friend Shannon, and she said, "Do you want to go curling at this bar downtown?" And curling. I replied, um, "I think I'm going to pass on curling." holy crap, there is a curling emoji, which there is. <laughs> and that was like part of the text that you sent? Yeah, that's the. I, I was just reading you the actual text. <laughs> oh, okay. There's a curling that's, emoji. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, just when you think that uh, winter sucks, out comes the yeah. curling emoji to cheer you right up, which reminds me that uh, today's podcast is brought to you by the Emoji Movie. The Emoji Movie. Oh, God, no. I have seen it. <laughs> This podcast is also brought to
0: you by the Writers Guild of America. The Writers Guild of America its doing something... But also making it so that John can't send me his movie screeners. I
1: just want to say for the record that the Writers Guild of America is doing a great job, genuinely, of uh, making sure that uh, its members have lots of things that uh, we would not have if it were not for collective bargaining. Okay, Uh, moving on past the political, though. uh, Today's podcast is also (laughs) brought to you by Airplane Earbuds. Airplane Earbuds, it's a great life hack.
0: And, of course, this podcast is brought to you by the Bath Bombardment Compartment. Oh, my God. (laughs) Is that better? Was that a good one? I mean, it's an improvement, but... Available for you to create and sell to Lush Cosmetics to open up the world of bath bombs to the rest of us.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm still not convinced, Hank, but I appreciate your excitement. All right, Hank, this question comes from Sarah, who writes, Dear John and Hank, how do I stay aware of what's happening in the YouTube community without contributing views and publicity to the terrible things that happen and that I don't want to support? I usually have either already clicked or I hear about it from someone, and to understand it, I go and watch, and that feels like casting a vote in favor before I even know what I'm voting on. Mm. Help? Trying not to increase world suck, Sarah. That is a tension that we have
0: uh, both in the YouTube community and also just sort of the larger world. Like sometimes I feel like, well, I have to stay informed of terrible things. And so do I like, am I required to kind of hate watch stuff? Am I required to be subscribed to people who have views that I dislike and who are actively having an intentionally having a negative impact on the world just so I can keep up and uh, and help when things go extra wrong and I actually traced the uh, how the Logan Paul like Logan Paul's video was on YouTube for a full 24 hours before anybody started saying negative things about it and I like found the person who I heard it from and I was like who did you hear this from and traced it all the way back to somebody who yes watched watches Logan Paul because they hate him and uh, and recognizes that that is an unproductive and bad thing to do with their time and wow uh, but, like, then texted the video to a friend and was like, Well, this is really. And then that person texted it to another person who then put it, it's like, sort of a note on Twitter. And then somebody asked that person about that. And that person had, you know, four million followers. So that's how it got out. And it, it's sort of amazing wow. that because, like, you know, there are so many different sort of like silos to content experience on the internet that something like that can be out there for a long time and have six million views on it before anybody who you know is going to be even vaguely critical starts to see it which is right. shocking.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that, that's an interesting observation and I I I don't really know what to do about this problem. It's one of many problems at the social internet that I don't really know what to do about right now and I feel uh, uh, even though I know I have like tremendous power and, and and a huge platform, I still feel very powerless in the face of it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't I, I think some of these problems are some of these problems go all the way back, right? Like I mean there was YouTube there were there were channels devoted to YouTube drama uh when Hank and I first started making videos yeah. in, in January of two thousand seven. Um, you know, it it's it's had its own sort of ecosystem that whole time. Uh I, I don't think that um I and and I and I don't know. I mean, a lot of times the things that people are outraged about. In fact, usually the things that that people are outraged about are truly infuriating and they are outrageous and they are reprehensible Um, but then there is always some new equally reprehensible outrage uh, of tomorrow and Mm. I don't know what my level of requirement is when it comes to knowing about those outrages because I also know there are lots of outrages that I don't pay attention to admittedly the world of YouTube is close to me and it matters a lot to me. And it, it, it feels like my world in a way that other worlds don't. Um, but I also know that, you know, I, I ought to be paying better attention to outrages that are happening on a, on a global scale and where uh-huh. attention to those outrages really does move the needle and really does require people, um, you know, really can, I think, uh, lead people to action. I, I think You know, we see that when a famine is declared, for instance, like the moment a famine is declared, the world starts paying attention in a way that it doesn't when famine is merely a risk or when Mm -hmm. uh, the UN is saying famine could be coming to Somalia. It's the world treats that very differently than the moment when it's announced. Well, famine has come. And I think uh, I just I, I don't I don't know what my I don't know how much I need to swim in the river Um, on a daily basis, like the huge river of information that we're Mm -hmm. all swimming in. I don't know how much of it I need to swim in, on a daily basis in order to be like a good citizen of the internet. And I wish I had a good answer for your question.
0: Yeah. I mean, in general, I feel like maybe we, we err on the side of too much in general, or I do. And that, but what, what sort of ends up happening is because there's always the fresh outrage. It, you know, it, it makes it very difficult for things that are persistent problems that need to be handled, but aren't having like a big, you know, newsworthy thing that's part of them. It makes it very difficult for those things to break into my consciousness and awareness when I'm sort of like so caught up in in whatever the fresh outrage is. And And actually
1: YouTube is a pretty good example of that because we all know that these problems existed before that particular Logan Paul video was uploaded. That one was particularly, um, yeah. Particularly outrageous and particularly hor- horrifying, um, but we all know that like that wasn't the beginning of the problems on the social internet or the beginnings of the problems uh, within certain YouTube communities. Yeah,
0: and and also like I think that it like it problems like you know a lot of Puerto Rico is still not having power back. Like those are like we knew that that was going to be a thing and it is it is playing out and it is happening and it is just it can't break back into the news cycle because it didn't just happen. And because it's like it's an incremental problem where it's like we need to get power back to the next neighborhood and the next neighborhood. And like there are certain problems that it feels like the Internet is bad at uh, not at at just addressing, but at even at the base level, making people aware of. And uh, a, a, and I think the only way to sort of push back against that as a consumer of content is to say, like, maybe the fresh outrage isn't as important as something else that's going on. Maybe I need to, like, be stepping back a little bit and not completely desensitizing myself to, you know, to the sort of injustice and Yeah,
1: right. To systemic long term injustice. This is something that Hank and I talk a lot about in in private, um, especially trying to think about, you know, where we want the emphasis of our Personal philanthropy to be, people are really good at responding to emergencies, and and thank thank God they are because we have to respond to a lot of emergencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people are, and I think the internet is actually quite good at responding to emergencies. I, I think where where people struggle, and the internet maybe uh, exaggerates this this problem, is we really struggle with uh, long term solutions to long term problems. We really struggle with the idea that um, you know some. Some interventions are going to take decades, not hours, and there are some problems that can be solved, that will be solved if we focus our attention on them for a long time uh, that can't be solved quickly. I think sometimes we have successes on that front. I mean, we are about to experience the end of polio, which is only the second time that a disease uh, has been eradicated from human beings by force of science Uh, and and by force of people coming together and working incredibly hard mm-hmm. uh, to, to make that happen. Um, and, and that required a really or still requires a really long term vision for making it for making that happen. But I, yeah, we struggle with this as a species, I think. And we see it with climate change. We also see it with things like making long term investments in uh, healthcare systems in the developing world.
0: John, before we get
1: to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I have one response Uh,
0: that's not a question from Kate, who says, Hi, I'm Kate, and I am one of Nicole's emergency replacement pen pals, and I just want to say it's been amazing to have her as a pen pal, and would like to thank you guys for connecting us, as well as uh, Nicole for being a great pen pal. Thanks, you guys. That's very nice. That's great. Also, I want to say one other thing,
1: Hank. Yeah. Uh, Rosiana emphasized this last week. I think it's amazing. This one comes from Hadley, who writes, I was listening to the episode Every Plum Has Its Thorn, and you guys read a comment about a girl named Sierra who lives in a dorm where a snake was on the loose. I also live in that dorm. I live on the fourth floor <laughs> of Centennial Hall, uh, and I've actually met the snake before he was lost. His name is Archie, and he is a ball python about two feet long, and he's very nice. Then... Also, also, we got a letter <laughs> from Gwyn, and they wrote, so I'm listening to your 121st episode literally right now and realized when you were talking about the snake loose in Sierra's dorm that you guys were talking about my dorm. <laughs> <laughs> I told my girlfriend about this because it was so surreal, and she said she'd read about it on our university's subreddit. Yes, our university has a subreddit. Thankfully, the snake was found, though hungry and lethargic, and has recovered thank you <laughs> oh for that God. update gwyn <laughs> and thanks to everybody in centennial hall and beyond enjoying oh, yeah. uh, dear hank and john i just
0: i really hope that like that we can just become the official podcast of centennial hall maybe uh, maybe they, we will by the only... way centennial
1: hall if you're looking to sponsor us uh you can contact us right no um what if what if we happy do to have you
0: a centennial hall exclusive episode of dear hank and john where it's only questions <laughs> from centennial hall <laughs>
1: I'm into it. I love that idea. I'm into it. It's brilliant. John, what is the news from AFC Wimbledon? Uh, Well, Hank, AFC Wimbledon played their big money FA Cup third round game against Tottenham Hotspur uh, there at Wembley. You'll remember that AFC Wimbledon completely undefeated at at, uh, Wembley, never lost a game at Wembley um, until January the 7th, 2018. (laughs) Uh, it was an incredible first 62 minutes. AFC Wimbledon held Tottenham scoreless for wow, 62 minutes, wow. uh, enduring uh, something like 87 uh, percent possession for Tottenham. <laughs> uh, and astonishingly, AFC Wimbledon hit the bar. They hit the Whoa. post uh, in a shot in the first half. And if that if that had gone in who knows what would have happened. Tottenham to be fair also hit the post a few times Uh, and then in the 63rd minute Harry Kane, uh, one of the best strikers in the world scored a goal. He then scored another goal in the 65th minute uh, and Wimbledon ended up losing 3 nil but the guys at 9 Years Podcast, the podcast about AFC Wimbledon uh, summarized it. Their three word summary of the match was heads held high and I think that uh, was a good summary indeed. Uh, This Saturday uh, January 13th which will be in the past as this is uh, as this is um, uploaded. Uh, AFC Wimbledon will be playing a game that is of uh, significant import uh, to their League One season, and also of significant import generally uh, because they will be playing the franchise currently uh, applying its trade in Milton Keynes. Which, uh, for those of you familiar with AFC Wimbledon's history, will know is a is, is you know it's a big game. Uh, the franchise currently playing a trade Milton Keynes is 19th in League One, and Wimbledon are 21st. Uh, if Wimbledon were to win that game, Wimbledon would be out of the relegation zone, and also possibly Milton Keynes would be in the relegation zone. Of course, the dream scenario, Hank, and you, obviously you can't. Uh, Football isn't made out of dreams, but the dream scenario is that Wimbledon stays in League One, Milton Keynes does not, so that that is a uh, fixture that will hopefully like never happen again, because <laughs> it is one that never should happen. And uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes down. Well, John, that is exciting, uh, and I'm, I'm glad that
0: you guys made a bunch of money, because that's the, what really matters. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, it will hopefully help us pick up at least one player in January, which will be especially useful uh, since one of our strikers just had surgery on his hamstring.
0: Aye. Well,
1: Aye. just not fun. pay
0: for that surgery, except they don't have to because it's free because it's England. Uh, in, in Mars news, John, you probably, you yep. may have heard that around the turn of uh, the year a few days ago um some the curiosity river spotted some weird structures on the surface of some sedimentary rocks uh that looked for all the world like what might happen if like a, a worm or something crawled through uh, some some dirt or sand and left a tube behind and then that tube then got filled up with a harder uh, sediment over over time and that would have been some kind of fossilized worm tube basically and we've seen things like this on earth uh, that, that you find these these sort of uh holes left by invertebrates getting fossilized and uh and people are like well okay stop everything and uh so they day they stopped everything and they got a much closer up picture of these weird fossilized worm tube looking things and the news is in john they're not fossilized worm tubes, probably.
1: Oh, that's disappointing. I was hoping for huge Mars worms.
0: Uh, they would be. It would have been very small Mars worms. Um, but, uh, but it was. Uh, it took. It took about. Uh, it took about thirty minutes for all the reputable places to be like, "Wait, now." So the the sitch is that they look like they are uh, some kind of pretty interesting crystalline structures that are, uh, again. Almost definitely, uh, what the, it did sort of happen this way, where the crystals grew, the sedimentary rock then formed around the crystals, then the crystals dissolved, and then more sedimentary rock came in. Um, and so, this is a process that would have required there to be multiple cycles of water, probably hot water, coming in and out of of mm. this of this system, which is you know pretty pretty standard now amazingly for uh for the lake bed where the curiosity rover is hanging out that we know that there was a lot of water in a lot of different ways a lot of different times um and uh but yeah so close up they look to be much more angular than they did when there was a a more distant shot and so they're thinking probably crystal molds and uh molds not being microorganism molds but Molds, M O L D S. I don't know how you spell. Wait, how do you spell molds? But it's the same both ways. It's the English language is confusing. You know what I mean. I I think it might be different in England. Right. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. So, but like, it's it's worth noting that like this was so interesting that they actually backed the rover up to go take the closer picture. So they had this picture and they were like, "What is that?" And they actually turned like they reversed Curiosity to go back and take that that closer up picture. So that's really cool.
1: That is cool, but it turned out it was not, uh, it was not it a out complex it was not, life form. It was
0: not a complex life form, but it was cool geochemistry happening.
1: Right, right. No, I was, that's, I, I mean, yeah. That, yeah. That, uh, I'm excited about geochemistry. I'd be more excited <laughs> if we had some Mars worms, but I know yeah, we've got to cool. be patient and etc.
0: Yeah, I mean, Curiosity's mission is not to find Mars worms. It's to, to study the geology of Mars, which it is doing in wonderful, uh, successful ways
1: all right i'll accept that uh but we need to find those marsworms soon because (laughs) we need well i don't actually know if we need to find marsworms we need to find we need a lot of people on mars setting up an alternate social order soon (laughs) hard stop
0: all right well uh but not too soon because you want the podcast name to change right
1: yeah, I mean, at this point, I might even be willing to sacrifice that. I don't know. It's a pretty big wow. deal to me, though, to wow. have this podcast be you. named Dear John and Hank in the future. Hank, what did we learn today?
0: Oh, God. We learned that uh, we are all bathed in a soup of gases that transmits uh, sound waves to you, and that is probably also true for all the space aliens.
1: We learned that Ladybird is John's favorite movie of the year so far. I haven't seen all of them yet.
0: We learned that uh, earbuds are your best friend when you're in public and do not want to be bothered. We learned that you're alone in the universe. <laughs> I mean, I'm not alone in the universe. There's so many different humans I can hang out with. And also dogs. God, that's it? <laughs> Why are you stopping there? Why not river sharks? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to hang out with river sharks. I mean, I don't know. Do I? Are they nice? I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe uh, I want to hang out I'm with I'm sure river Henry shark. could
1: tell you. I, he knows everything <laughs> about them.
0: All right, John. Uh, thank you for having a podcast with me, and thank you to everyone for listening. We're about to go record our patron-only podcast, This Week in Rhymes. If you want to support us at patreon.com slash dearhankandjohn, that would be much appreciated. We do cool stuff with that money, like make SciShow and Crash Course. And also, um, we will probably put up, you know, we tend to put up also like sort of show notes kind of things, like if we... Uh, have any pictures we want to share with you and we put those up and those are not only for patrons so you can also use the Patreon even if you aren't a patron so thank you. This podcast is produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. It's edited by Nicholas Jenkins. Our head of community and communications is Victoria Bongiorno. Uh, the theme music that you hear at the beginning and right now is by the great Gunnarola. He also does the intro music for This Week in Ryan's and as they say in our
1: hometown don't, don't forget, forget to be, to be awesome. awesome.